Welcome back to another episode of the Everybody Moves podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Moran. I'm a doctor of physical therapy here at Odom Health and Wellness. Today, I'm joined as well uh, as last episode by our founder, Dr. John Odom. Um, and our special guest today is Maggie Swanson. Woo-hoo. Yeah, we are so pumped to have her um, in the studio today just to really unearth a bit of her story. Um, we've just had the privilege of getting to know Maggie for better part of a year, but the connections kind of go even longer than that, just with being in the community, um, being in the racing community. And we started to sync up a little bit more kind of structured in a structured fashion this past year um, and teaming up with you and sort of coming alongside of you and seeing you do your thing, uh, which is the sport of triathlon. So um, the intro would be endless. I feel like so. I, I almost say we got to turn over to you, Maggie, just to give a little <laughs> bit of background about who you are. Um, and then we'll kind of catch up a little bit on what has been your story this year. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, so my name is Maggie Swanson. I I am a triathlete. I'm a financial planner in, in Excelsior, Minnesota. I'm married to uh, my husband, Paul. Um, we, li- we live in Excelsior with our puppy, Hobie. And I love I love the sport triathlon. And I love what I do. That's fantastic. And I, I'd be super curious to hear like the origin story of just how you got into the sport, too. And I know it's been an absolute journey with some peaks and valleys and everything in between, right? Um, how did you first get into triathlon? Mm-hmm. So I grew up swimming. So I already had that as a base. Mm-hmm. Um, started, my dad asked me if I wanted to run a marathon in during high school. So I did that. I started running competitively in college. And beyond that, I had a, I had a severe... I was hit by a bus um, in 2014 when I was studying abroad in Spain. So it was a long journey to get back, but long story short, um, and a total miracle that I did that I did recover physically, like I physically and mentally, like I did. Mm. Um, but long story short, to answer your question, my dad asked me during during my recovery, if I, if I would like to look into, look into the spur of triathlon, Mm -hmm. because I gotten so much joy out of, out of competing with my track team, with my college track team. Mm -hmm. And he thought that he thought I could have a lot of success with triathlon since I was a swimmer and a runner already. All they had to do was get me a bike. (laughs) Uh, But that, there's a great danger with someone who doesn't have great balance because of a head injury and putting it on a bike, putting them on a bike. And it turned out I was pretty fast on the mm-hmm. bike. So that combined not great balance with speed. And anyway, everything worked out. Um, so I competed in my first triathlon, did great, really enjoyed it. Um, learned about six months later that that race had qualified me for for Olymp- for the Olympic distance, um, the nationals event in the Olympic distance. So after deciding I wanted to do that, we trained and went into the, entered the sport wholeheartedly. Wow. And you kind of got into a little bit of what makes your story unique even there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it to do your story justice, we would have to ask a little bit more about the big injury that was your, that kind of, 
altered your life in many ways, right? Um, so much so that you, it, it was inspired your dad to kind of write a book about it, right? That, mm-hmm. that you also played a huge role in that and um, kicking off different, essentially ways to raise awareness, raise um, funds with partnering with the Ironman Foundation and kicked off kind of a whole thing of the 25 meters to God story, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think we got to hear, I would love to hear a little bit more about just that process and gosh, for the listener, like what that must have been like to go through that and recover. And then I'm sure me and Dr. Odom have some some thoughts and topics we want to dive into more on the the Achilles kind of <laughs> journey as well, right? Um, but to start with like your comeback from, like you said, you got hit by a bus and that was uh, quite a obviously traumatic incident, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right? Test you in multiple ways. What was that process like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in 2014, like I said, I was studying abroad and I was going for one of my morning runs on actually my 10th day of being in the city. So I hadn't even been there for two weeks. Um, and as I was crossing a busy intersection, um, a city bus hit me head on. So it was 22 tons of bus um, going 37 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And it launched me 25 meters in the air. Hence the name of my dad's book, 25 Meters to God, um, part of the part of the meaning of that title. Um, so I landed on the page and for the for everybody who needs a little point of reference with 25 meters, that's the distance of an Olympic swimming pool. Wow. So if you go to Lifetime and look at the swimming pool, that's how far I flew. So I landed after 25 meters, uh, skidded another 10. It's a miracle the bus didn't run me over because the bus stopped 12 meters after after I was hit. Um, so it's a it's an absolute miracle it didn't run me over. Um, but I landed, shattered my pelvis, had a traumatic brain injury in two places, seven broken ribs, and a broken elbow. Broken elbow and a whole lot of road rash. So. I don't remember that accident and it's a blessing that I don't because I don't have any trauma associated with it. But the first, the first responder on the scene was a, was a doctor who, which is another miracle, um, who told the, told everybody there not to take me to the closer hospital, but to take me to the big hospital um, in Sevilla which is the set, which is a a renowned a renowned world class hospital um, in Spain. So long story short, I got there. Um, my parents flew got the news about ten hours later, um, and flew over to join me as soon as they could. So we spent about three weeks in Spain before being medevaced home, where I spent another another month in U.S. hospitals. Wow. And then so you you kind of go through that experience, right? And I imagine first and foremost, it's what is my life going to look like, right? Much less all of the things that you end up getting back into later in life, right? What did what did that look like? Because I mean, I'm, for the listener, I'm, I'm imagining it's like, here's this world class athlete who went through this quite an amazing injury, right? Just a, a traumatic injury, an amazing process to get to where you are now. So how did, what did that practically look like? I have a feeling it wasn't just you woke up one day and you started feeling better, right? What did that look like to get from that point to sort of back into training and just feeling like yourself again? Yeah, so 
I don't remember the first, so I don't remember like the last couple days before the accident or the day of the accident. And I also don't remember like a month following um, the accident. So I'm really not the person to ask about the healing process <laughs> um, and kind of my recovery from that. From what I've heard and what I know from after I remember remember that i remember my first memory is july 4th i remember the fireworks outside of bethesda hospital um and what i know is that i spent a lot of time with pt um it was it was just a long process a long process to begin to to piece everything back together i was going to therapy a lot physical speech and an occupational therapy um and thankfully just through amazing healing, amazing medical help, and and God's help, I I went back to college as a part time student. That the fall after my accident. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you kind of made that. You put in all that work, and and you condensed it in a nice little story <laughs> there. But that's a ton of work, right? Yeah. Just to get back to going into. I'm going to be a student again, right? Especially post TBI, right? That's no small undertaking either. And so then at what point, I guess, did you say, I'm going to start to try to maybe lace them up again or start to get on a bike, right? Like when did those thoughts start to kind of come back to where you wanted to get back into some sort of training? Yeah. So my healing, my healing did take a while. I wasn't cleared to run for, for many months. Um, and my, my, my orthopedic surgeon, he cleared me to run the fastest he said he'd cleared any anybody with a person as severe of an accident as mine. He said I was the fastest he'd cleared anybody to run um, with that. Which so, for the listener, that's foreshadowing for what's coming later on the <laughs> But anyways, yeah, not to cut you off, but no, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, so so getting back, getting back to it was hard. Um, I don't want to sugarcoat that because it was hard. And there were times that I that I really felt discouraged and I really wanted to. There were times I wanted to give up. Um, but I and my first run. So I did my first run with my dad. Um, my dad has been a, a constant throughout throughout my story. And I'm very grateful for him. Um, so did my first swim and my first my first run with my dad. Um, and it was slow and it hurt and I hadn't run for four months. So, so it was hard to get back into. And that's kind of the theme of my story. Um, going back to school was hard. I had a lot of academic support and a lot of support from my friends and my family and the medical community and everybody, but it was hard and it took a long time to get fully back, back to a hundred percent. Um, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, academically. Um, yeah, I, it, it took a really long time, but through hard work, I just, I kept doing what, what I was told. Um, and I kept believing that, that God was going to help me, that I was going to heal and that, and that I would, I could get back to where I was if I kept working hard and stayed focused on the goal. Yeah, I don't honestly, it's just miraculous, right? And I like how you said you didn't want to sugarcoat it because we're we're here sitting down for a brief conversation, but that's months, years, like that's that's a long period of time that you're rolling up your sleeves and continuing to put in the work and lean on the experts and and family that are around you, right? And 
it I mean it is it is miraculous. That's just like amazing. So and I think also, right, like it, it's one thing to be able to get back to running, swimming, and you know, biking, but I'm sure your family, I'm sure you in some ways were just grateful to be alive again. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's so so talking to my parents, my parents talk about how their their goals for my recovery in the initial 24, 48 hours were praying and hoping. I hope she survives. I pray she survives and I pray right. that she can live some sort of semblance of the life she was living. Um because I was on those prayers. Yes. And I was and that was the request. Yes. With life. Mm-hmm. You know, so we started there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and all, all everything certainly was gravy for us. Like, you know, they just wanted their daughter back. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, and I so appreciate that. There was so much prayer, so much help during during that time. My family and I really leaned on the support of of our community and just all the help we had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there, once the surgeons started talking about started talking about having performing surgery on my pelvis, setting my pelvis, my parents extrapolated the fact that okay they wouldn't perform surgery if she wasn't going to survive Mm -hmm. so then it became then the goal became okay what what does this look like and they didn't know i mean no one knew Mm -hmm. no one knew that whole summer Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until much later in the summer that it was even an option to go back to school Mm -hmm. um i remember talking to my mom in july and my parents and them saying, you know, you you might not be ready to to go back to school. And that was devastating. I just wanted to be with my friends and I just wanted to be normal. And I wasn't normal. And I wasn't normal even when I went back to school. Um, I had to go to bed early. I I just couldn't do the things that normal college students, that normal college students do. And it's it's kind of that through that period of adjusting and sort of learning and leaning and trusting, right? And, mm-hmm. and I imagine that just eventually builds this confidence and trust that you know what I think I, I I could see some progress, some growth towards things that I ultimately thought might be just a a far cry from whatever I could get back to, but they slowly became a more uh, a reality for you, right? Mm-hmm. Which I guess brings it to the point where we started to get to kind of be in sync with you. Um, I know I, I'd heard your name. We actually went to the same high school, right? <laughs> we were a few years apart, so we went to a bigger high school, um, Minnetonka, Go Skippers, right? But then we kind of heard this name kind of popping up on the leaderboards of all these local triathlon races, right? And here I am, Joe Blow guy, trying to essentially, you know, have some fun with just a very loose competitor over here. But then I see Maggie Swanson just winning races, winning races overall, right? And, uh, yeah, it starts to get your attention and gets the attention of the community. And we hear this story and we're like, we got to like find a way to sync up with Maggie. How do we team up with this, 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 this woman? She's like after it, right? She has this very compelling story. And so that's when we kind of got synced up and said, let's, let's come in and do like a partnership with you. Right. And that's how we got connected, um, which was super fun to kind of see and and start to grow together. Right. Um, and that takes us into Chattanooga, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah, so 
So what happened in Chattanooga? So Chattanooga was a half Iron Man. Um, so to back up a little bit, I had one, I had one, um, the full, the full Iron Man at Madison, um, in 2022. So and qualified for the World Championships Kona. Um, so with that, I was like, well, I'm just gonna build my build my season with Kona as the culmination. So first race of the year was Chattanooga. Um, which was a half and race was going great. I was in, I was in the lead, um, having a great run. <laughs> and I felt I've my, and my, my ankle, my Achilles have been bothering me, but you know, I figured it'd be fine, um, for, for a half iron man, like it should be fine. Um, so it felt great off the bike. Um, you know, started to feel a little worse at mile eight. I was like, I'm just going to keep going. I have five miles left. <laughs> mile nine, started feeling a little more worse. I was like, oh, four miles left. <laughs> mile ten and a half, um, I felt something pop in my ankle. And I fell into the side of a hill. And that that was it. I knew that something had happened. And um, tried to get up, couldn't, that was not going to happen. Um, so finishing the race was out of the question. Um, basically some very nice competitors got people to head back to me and take me to a, a golf cart that drove me back to the medical tent in summary. Um, and we come to realize through MRIs that I had, that I had a partial tear in my Achilles. Which is such a, a tough blow, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like you're peaking. This is that was gonna be a fantastic race, by the way. Do you remember paces like that you were on track? Like yeah. it was I remember talking with you <laughs> kind of a little bit with you and your dad, right? It was it was gonna be a fantastic race. Mm-hmm. What was that what was that gonna look like for you? Oh, I was run yeah, I was so like I said, I was in the lead. I was running six thirty, so I was gonna I was gonna break a I was gonna break an hour and a half marathon. I think I was on track for or half marathon. I think I was on track for a one twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, so I yeah, I was I was hopeful and I had people telling me as I was going through it, you're in the lead, just hold it and <laughs> And that that wasn't that wasn't what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you get the news, right? And we're helping you out in that process. Like, what do we do, right? Decision making process. Started seeing a specialist or two to decide what's the right option here. And you settle on um, seeing a Dr. Mike Anderson. Yep, Dr. Uh, Mike Anderson at Summit yeah. Orthopedics. Mm-hmm. Yep, and got a, a very optimistic kind of perspective and outlook on what that would look like surgically, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, I imagine, pretty attractive. And um, and I guess, yeah, you, you decide to go forward with that option, surgical intervention, which as a, uh, when having a torn Achilles, right? And redoing your stuff and kind of teaming up with you, right? Just for the listener, there was a couple um, portions of, of Maggie's injury that she's given me permission to kind of dive into, right? There was the soleus compartment of, mm-hmm. the, of the Achilles. The lateral gastrocnemius portion was, both of those were completely ruptured, right? And the endurance athlete, we hear so much about the soleus muscle and how it's the powerhouse of distance running quite literally. And so to have that portion no longer like something that you could utilize, like that's a huge deal, right? Um, and the medial portion did remain intact, which was obviously a, a huge bit of upside. But two thirds of that of that gastrocnemius and soleus compartment was gone, right? And so that's what where it was. It was time to kind of make that call to take the next step. 
And so you go into the surgery. What do you remember, I guess, from that experience kind of coming out of there? What was that feeling like? Well, I was happy that it was that it was done, um, you know, because we made that decision. I, the big question was, well, do we try not so aggressive therapy or do we just go in and do the surgery? And I was told, go in and do the surgery. You'll have the best. You'll likely have the best outcome if you do that. Um, but, you know, up until that point, I was I was questioning it and questioning, like, do I really want to go through this? Do I really want to be on my back for two weeks? But then it was done. And then I was on my back for two weeks, um, which was frustrating, disappointing. Um you know, but a lot of good things came out of that time. Um, you know, I spent I spent some really nice Saturday mornings with with my husband Paul, um, watching our puppy run through the grass. I played I played gin rummy with my grandma. That was great. <laughs> um, so lots of blessings during that time too. Fantastic. And I'm um, Dr. Owen, we see this a lot, right? We manage things what you would call conservatively, right? right. Non-surgical intervention. Yep. Um, however, of course, there are those times where we got to pivot and say, no, this this individual needs something sure. outside of what we're going to offer in this clinic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on on like that? Like, because that individual's coming through and I remember we we're kind of sitting down. It's like, is there a, a possibility here or is this something where we got to kind of look outside of our scar, not scope per se, but what we're offering right at, a, at the clinic? Yeah, and I think I think you said it well. I mean, we uh, we always want what's best for our patient athlete. You know, we 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 are on the same page as as, as far as that goes. Um, I think a lot of times, though, most of our athletes and patients, um, you know, if if they're going to see a surgeon, then then usually that's the only thing they hear, and then they don't hear other things. And so, I, I think sometimes I won't I won't use the word defensive, but that's why sometimes we spend so much time educating our patients about conservative measures and, and options and that sort of thing, because lots of times those can be even better than, than a surgical option. But certainly when the indication is surgical, we are all for it, you know, because it's it's a blessing to have those tools, it's a blessing to be able to kind of get that repair, and, and we are all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, some some situations are, are pretty clear indication, some, some situations are not so clear indications and so when it is clear like in, in in your situation maggie then you know we're we're right there behind you well and just your approval with going going forward with the surgery that was a big factor in our decision to to go forward with and to do it and i'm grateful we did it when we did because we were talking about waiting until july and seeing if it got better um but your counsel really helped with that so then here we are, you go forward with the surgery. And I had a couple of dates written down. Surgery was on June 2nd, I yep. believe. June mm-hmm. 2nd was surgical date. And so you come out of there with a, sort of some optimism based on kind of what the surgeon was telling you, right? Mm-hmm. And then on my end, I'm kind of thinking, all right, let's see, right? We don't yeah. want to push too hard on this thing. We know Kona is there. At that point, I can almost say, like, I was, I was thinking that would be a miracle, right? To get back to Kona and erase this thing. We know like in everybody in the world right now, if all sports is probably knows what an Achilles rupture <laughs> is, is the time frame. Like right. we looked in Minnesota, I was giving, I was joking with Maggie because I was saying, I, I was asking her if Kirk Cousins called her to see what her, yeah. what she did for yeah. her repair, her recovery, <laughs> right? But we hear Rogers, Kirk Cousins, all these like, kind of high profile athletes are dealing with this right now, right? 
And so we hear this time frame and and Kona is about four months post-operative. That's when the time frame would be. So all conservative measures, all conventional wisdom is saying, hey, like, no, not happening. Let's let's get you better. We'll go with your tissue, your time frame, your healing, but we need to look beyond Kona, right? And I, I gotta say that was my perspective. Um, however, you gotta appreciate Maggie, right? And her her willingness to roll up her sleeves. And her history where back to the previous doctor said, I've never seen anybody get back faster. I've never cleared anybody faster, right? And so there's a few factors in play here. You know, we know it's God was definitely on your side in this. And and this was supposed to happen because this this almost shouldn't have happened, right? Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty crazy to kind of see your your progression there. June 2nd comes, get the surgery. And I remember really having my eyes on the prize on that like six week follow up with the surgeon to sort of say, all right, where are we at? What are we seeing here? What are we looking at? Right. Um, which was that, that appointment. Would you, um, recap that a little bit of what the surgeon's reaction was to your progress at that point? I remember you saying a couple of things to me of like mm-hmm. what that exchange looked like. Yeah. He was. He was thrilled with with my progress. He was very optimistic with with everything. He still said that Kona was probably not going to happen. So I should probably like take that out of my mind. And honestly, I kind of had decided, like I kind of had told myself like and mourned the fact that I wasn't going to Kona like earlier in the summer. So I was kind of that was kind of what I expected him to say. Um but no, he was very optimistic with everything. And yeah, I, I began, I began do, I didn't run after that, after that appointment, but I did begin some biking, um, and swimming. Um, I was able to start, to start kicking, um, in swimming. So that was, that was just so nice to be able to actually do something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think for the listener too, it's like training had to start at some point. So Mm -hmm. I remember that was a huge, huge topic of when can we get you training if this is to happen, right? If there's any potential for this to happen. And so cross training was a huge part of your recovery, even before we were getting gaining clearance to run, right? So that had been going on. I remember our conversations weekly are like, what's our weekly wattage? Like, what can I get away with this week to get some intensity? And luckily swimming was was kind of on the table almost from the get-go. Um, but yeah, that was such a, a, a discipline you could pour into, luckily, right? But it was August 17th, about two and a half months post-op that we did the first run, right? Which that number should just be like, she ran two and a half months post-operative for an Achilles tear? That's unbelievable, right? And and now that was my reaction too. It's like, we're doing this. We've been cleared to do this. This is incredible, right? But sure enough, you know, you, you're able to do that and proceed with that. And we were, we were able to kind of go with your healing and that allowed you to get back into return to run. And, and it was a fantastic kind of process to see. And yeah, I guess I would, I guess to share my perspective for what it's worth, right? Every week that Maggie would come in, it's just, she would keep raising the bar, keep raising the bar to eventually I had to just say, Hey, I have to step back here and, and accept that this could happen, right? As crazy as this sounds that you could be pulling that starting line. Right. Um, and so I guess, what would you, when did it kind of set in that for you officially, it's like, I'm, I'm running Kona, like what, what, when was that approximately give or take, right. And then like, was there an aha moment or what did that kind of feel like? Yeah. So we had another follow-up with my surgeon, um, about a month from Kona from what I remember. And at that point, my surgeon said, so I've been running before that I'd been getting back into running. 
Um, and at that point, Dr. Mike looked at me and he was like, you have, your healing is great. I'm not concerned about you re-tearing the Achilles. It's like, you have my, you have my permission to, to train as hard, like train, train however you want. Like, you know, don't, he was like, I would caution you against like, stand, like doing certain things, but he's like, but I don't think you're going to re-tear it. So go for it. Um, so talking to my dad, we're like, okay, like, <laughs> is this like, what does this look like? Um, and we, we held it loosely up until, up until we left for Kona. Like <laughs> we were, we were holding on to, okay, this might not happen. Um, need to, need to be prepared for that. Um, but I just, yeah, I just kept doing what what the professionals told me to and that that worked well for me and luckily i thankfully i didn't yeah i didn't go backwards and i just kept moving forwards unbelievable so then that takes us to kona and yeah. we'd be remiss if we didn't ask right. how kona went right <laughs> um for those I, i'll try to just give highlights i've never you know been you you're there so we'll, we'll rely on you but warm course right yes. trying conditions did yes. a ton of heat training as best you could in minnesota <laughs> which is you know you're doing the best you can there i remember you telling me like wearing multiple layers like on training runs that try to simulate as best you could right so we got to hear the kona recap like how the race go yeah so heat training i looked nuts just on my <laughs> on my on my runs because i was just bundled up i had like winter coats on um and it's like 60 degrees out um <laughs> But I did it. I did the heat training. Um, so, you know, I prepared as well as I could beforehand. And the heat training worked. That was a good thing I did that. Um, because, yeah, Kona is just, it's a brutal course. Um, it's super cool, but it's a brutal course. Very hot. Um, through the lava fields, you know, two-thirds of the bike course is through the lava fields. Um, the run course, the run course is where it gets really hot. So, about three quarter, not quite three quarters, miles 15 through 19 of the, of the marathon, um, are through what's called the energy lab, um, which the whole, the state of Hawaii uses as a, as in to conduct scientific experiments because <laughs> <laughs> it's so hot. So it's just, I mean, it, it can really get you down if you're, if you're not prepared for that. And luckily I had a lot of people telling me, you know, the energy lab falls here, just be ready. Um, and they did have the opportunity to run there a few times. Um, but just, just an unbelievable experience, just all the way around. Um, you know, I could go through, I could, I could go on forever. Mm -hmm. Um, each discipline was difficult in its own way. Um, and I was grateful when about, about 90% of the way through each discipline, I remember thinking, I am really ready to be done with this. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like 90% of the way through the swim, I was like, I just want to get out of this water. Um, and similarly on the bike. Mm -hmm. And on the run, I was just ready to be done. Yep. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a whole podcast in itself to, yeah. to dive into that. But like, what an amazing story, like to accomplish that it's, it's kind of a one in a million thing. Definitely. Right. And 
um, yeah, we, we are so glad that you had the chance to be able to sit down with us and, and kind of share your story and, and the significance that it brings and it is bringing to so many around us. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for kind of carving out the time. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess yeah, we just, I mean, we just applaud yeah, your, yeah. your perseverance. You know, oh, I mean, thank you. certainly had all, you know, all the reasons and would have been justified to say, well, maybe I'll just choose something else, but, uh, but yeah, we just applaud your perseverance and, uh, you know, we see, obviously God's handed the whole thing and, uh, um, just such a neat, neat story. And so thank you. thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Kona was an incredible experience and, you know, once in a lifetime. Um, and I am so grateful to, to Odom for giving me the opportunity to compete in that and giving me the opportunity to, to toe that line and the opportunity to, to heal as quickly as I did. Mm. Well, our privilege, I guess, to wrap it up, what um, what would you say, and this might be a challenging question since there's so much you could pull from here, but as far as your story, right, in, in, in the micro this year, right, but as a whole, what would be your encouragement to the person who's kind of trying to navigate that next, like that trial or that tough thing ahead, right, because you have undoubtedly had experiences that have uh, prepared you for that. What would you say to the listener who's kind of looking uphill at that next challenge coming? That's a great question. I would say, I would say trust that what you're doing is working. Um, it might not seem like it at the time. And there are times when you may feel discouraged, but just trust it, trust what you're doing and trust that, trust that things will get better. Look ahead to, to the hope that is there because there is so much hope if you continue in what you're, in what you're trying, in what your goals are. Truly amazing. Well, and with that, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Thanks again, Maggie, for for being here. We so appreciate you and everything that you represent. And it's just been such a pleasure to be part of your your story and your journey. Um, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, take care. This has been episode two with Maggie sitting down talking about Kona and her journey.